Hello and welcome to Cruising Through History. Different style today. <laughs> I'm sitting here with Scott Cruz. My name is Xander. Scott, where are we cruising through today? I thought I would talk about the Antikythera mechanism. And the reason I said it so slowly is because I realized after the end of our last podcast, I mispronounced it. Okay. So because it's such a long word, I thought I have to I have to uh, say it slowly just for my own for my own sake. It this is something that I thought of because I listened to our Greek robot podcast that we did about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And I mentioned this, but I only mentioned it for a couple of minutes. But it's so interesting, I thought it could use its own podcast. And so what it is, it's a device that was found in 1900. It's, it looks like it's a orrery, which is a thing that you use to predict the motions of the planets, okay. and the moon and the sun, and that's kind of what this is. But even its discovery, and of course, there's about a million hypotheses about what it is or why was it built, what was its purpose. So I just thought the whole thing is fascinating because really some people say it's a precursor to an analog computer. Okay. Just the way it is set up. So say the Antikythera? Antikythera. Antikythera. And I'll explain okay. why it's called that. So I guess 1900 was when it was discovered, but how it's precursor to a computer how an analog computer how big is this well the funny thing is no one's really sure there have there have been there have been replicas built in as early as 2002 it, it's a little box actually it, it's both it's both um, bronze and it's um, wood so they think the gears because what happened was it was in 1902 that it, when you when they pull it out of the water, all it looks like is a sort of blob. Mm-hmm. But someone noticed it was in 1902 when a Greek archaeologist noticed that it was a gear. It looked like a gear. Oh, okay. And so that started the ball rolling on could there be more? But it was so encrusted with stuff because it was under the sea for so long that it was hard to tell. Even its discovery is kind of a funny story because Antikythera is an island that is located between Crete and the Peloponnese, which is the far southern part of Greece. Mm -hmm. So it's right on the border between the Aegean Sea and the Mediterranean. Well, in the 1900, these sponge divers were diving. So a diver went down, and he immediately started tugging on his air hose to say, pull me up. So they pull him up, and he's just sort of babbling, like there's dead bodies on the seafloor, there's horses and... The captain of the ship thinks something, the nitrogen is affecting him. He's hallucinating because he's describing things like, well, we normally don't find that. So they went down. So the captain goes down. He came up with an arm of a bronze statue. And it was a Roman cargo ship, not Greek, which adds more mystery to this whole thing. <laughs> I'm so... This this is, and I'm imagining, I don't know my, my world geography that well. This is like... We're thinking Mediterranean. This is like very far east. Yes, of Mediterranean. it's like right on the edge. And so, Rome. We're thinking in Italy is kind of like central Mediterranean-ish. Yes, kinda. but what they date the they date they date the shipwreck to about between like eighty and sixty BC, and of course 
the Romans had conquered Greece mm. around the same time. Yes. So it could have been loot they were sending back from Athens to Rome, or it could have been sent back to Rome for one of Julius Caesar's triumphs. Yeah. So this is, I mean, this is super old. Very, very old. Yes, and there's a lot of speculation on how old this machine actually is. Mm-hmm. There are tantalizing bits and pieces, as we've discovered in the past, but a lot of them lead somewhere and then stop. Okay. And so the interesting thing about the study of this thing is it kind of laid dormant for so long, but it wasn't until about 2008 where they actually did a CAT scan on it. And that's when they discovered it had a back. They didn't know that before. And it had gears under it, under the big gear that you can kind of see. If you ever Google this thing, you can see like the one gear. Mm -hmm. It also had inscriptions. And when they read those inscriptions, they were actually Greek names for the Zodiac. So let me get this right. It took about 100 years for further research to really develop on this. Yeah, there was some, but they just didn't have the technology. And as we discussed in other podcast where we talk about archaeology mm-hmm. well now there's so much science that is involved in archaeology these new things they basically gave it a cat scan like you you or me would have if mm-hmm. we were sick or something and that's when they discovered it had a back so it had a circular dial on the front that actually matched things that were on the back okay and they found those the, the zodiac signs. so they figured it was something to predict because it had lunar things on there and had solar sun sun and the moon and there were five planets known to the greeks at the time because they were very good naked eye astronomers so they only knew the planets uh venus jupiter mars mercury and saturn Mm -hmm. and so there's some theorizing that maybe there was a part of it that did the that could predict this thing would predict too that's the other crazy thing about this predict these motions of these planets but it's lost so Mm -hmm. all we're left with is the sun and the moon and it's so complicated. I actually had to rewrite some of my notes because there's so much astronomy involved in this. I don't yeah. really understand so, it. Really, this thing that was found, this is really a piece of something much larger. Yes, right? they think so. Okay. And so I guess the really the zodiac, the sun and the moon, that's how they brought in the astronomy part. Yes. Of yes. this is probably something to do with that. Right. Um, so... Were other pieces ever discovered that go with this? Yes. Through the years, some things have been discovered. Jacques Cousteau in the 70s actually did a dive in the area. Uh, He found some old coins, some pottery, and they think it was a couple of more pieces of the mechanism. They're not sure even today. And in fact, there's a lot of theorizing that some piece may still be sitting in a box at the Archaeological Museum in Athens after all this time, some fragment that they just haven't discovered. In fact, there was a fragment called Fragment F that wasn't discovered until 2005, and that was because by accident someone opened a box, and there it was, and someone put two and two together and said it could fit here. So right now, it's in about 82 fragments, and you know how fragments are. They're very small sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it didn't help that when they originally went to study this, it broke. (laughs) So it broke into like three pieces because it was so fragile, you know. And, you know, I'm thinking of all the things that went into finding this. It's almost like a needle in a haystack because you're seeing all these statues and all these pottery, and that's the thing you really want. 
no one thought of this box as anything. It was just sort of included mm-hmm. and, until the Greek archaeologist looked at it and thought he saw something there. And he did. Now, in 1902, he just didn't have the technology to prove what he was seeing. He just was doing it by eye. Yeah. And, I mean, if if you've seen anything that's been in the ocean or the sea for a long time, you know, stuff builds up on it. Um, yeah, this thing it, was fairly. That's why they did the CAT scan because it was encrusted and they couldn't get it off mm-hmm. without destroying the whole mechanism. So it's it's almost this really you know needle in the haystack is a really good saying for this sort of thing. But it's it's also like you know if you normally wear glasses to drive and then you take off those glasses. And hey, I do that. Actually. Nothing. <laughs> um, so because it seems. It almost seems like a stretch, all of this, really. Um, yes. Because we don't know a lot about it. Because maybe it has something to do with astronomy, but how do they get the computer thing in there? Because that still doesn't make sense to me. You know, I haven't really able to figure that out because they call it that. I don't know if it's because it would calculate things if you turn the gears, and then it would actually predict when you would have maybe a, an eclipse. It, it's very, it's so complicated and... Um, but there are some explanations because there's been mentions of, of so Cicero, I know I'm kind of stumbling here a little bit, the Greek uh, orator Cicero, he wrote a tract in 54, 51 BC, around that time. And he mentions a machine very similar to the Antikythera machine, built by Archimedes. Mm-hmm. And he claims that something similar, now he didn't know there was an but the way he describes it is like this. And he claims that something like this was brought to Rome in 212 BC after the death of Archimedes. Mm-hmm. And the reason Archimedes is always a tantalizing figure is because of all the other things he invented. He was very smart. Plus, the calendar that's on here is Corinthian. So the Greek col- is, is a city-state in Corinth, is in Greece. But one of their colonies was Syracuse. Well, of course, Archimedes is from Syracuse. So that led to a lot of people falling over each other because no one can quite seem to date this thing. Either the machine itself that they found, some people have said 87 BC, some people have said between 150 and 100 BC, someone else suggested 205 BC. So you can kind of see that this, there's a lot of speculation in that much. Yeah, I'm trying to think carbon dating probably wouldn't be the most accurate because that will get the what the stuff it's made of, but it won't get you know when it was made to do right. this thing. And so you, you're mentioning you know there was some documentation. There was nothing else found that was like documenting, oh, here's what we found. This is what it is. There's nothing like that. It's no. kind of a, it's just a mystery. Really it wasn't until I think people started looking back and going, and reading maybe Cicero, or and there were later Roman writers who wrote about these um, machines that could predict the movement of the heavens or motions of the heavens. Now, one of the tantalizing things is evidence is, so some of the motions that were similar, the lunar and solar, were actually being studied by a Greek astronomer named Hipparchus, who was from the island of Rhodes. He lived after Archimedes, but some of the pottery that was found on the ship was Rhodian. So some people think maybe these all came from Rhodes. And if you look at a map, Rhodes sits almost in a straight line to Antikythera if you're sailing. 
Okay. Now, the only problem with that theory, because I thought, ooh, I have a big theory myself, well, that kind of collapsed because you could sail the same way from Athens out into the Mediterranean. So Rhodes has actually come up, and because Rhodes was a port, and because there were a lot of sailors, and they were interested in astronomy and mechanical engineering, and there was a school there, um, one of, uh, Posidonius, who came after Hipparchus, he is sometimes mentioned. Now, they could have consulted on this machine using prior knowledge of a thing that was similar. Mm-hmm. I happen to think, yeah, because a lot of scientists say, I don't think this was just one, a one-off. Yeah, that would, that would be the natural follow-up because if something so spectacular was made and people were following the stars and the heavens and using that to predict right. of certain events, you would think there would be more than one in right. especially this area, um, this particular area, because we know that different um, regions of the world, they'll develop like the same technologies at the right. same time for no particular reason. Mm-hmm. But if a technology is being developed in one area and someone makes it, um, you would think someone else would also try to make it or copy it or write down, be instructed on it. And also that's not really found And perhaps Cicero was incorrect in his dating. Mm -hmm. I don't think he was actually seeing a mechanism of this nature. I think he was saying that one had been brought to Rome in 212 B.C., Mm. after the death of Archimedes. But it's another interesting thing he says. He says, and recently, now he doesn't define recently, so he says, my friend, Posidonius, built a machine that was similar to Archimedes. Now, we know Posidonius was on Rhodes, and all those years kind of match up. Because if you date the box, or I call it a box, or mechanism to 150 to 100 B.C., and Posidonius lived between 135 and 51 BC on the island of Rhodes. Well, yeah, then it's, then you get, but then you sort of run into a dead end there because there's something else that would. <laughs> so, I, I'm almost thinking there had to be other ones, but they haven't been found. No, and that's what I'm thinking. Which, I mean, there's a lot of things lost to history. Yes, um, but you would think something this unique and special would have some form of preservation was would have been treated right. really well but then you know you think things get ransacked and right. burned and destroyed and, and, and really Athens um, was destroyed a couple of times in the BCs but well I, I don't know if they were destroyed by Rome they were conquered by Rome Greece was and also during the Peloponnesian War Athens was attacked by Sparta so very easy to lose stuff yes and it doesn't surprise me that um, like I said, the Greeks were very good naked eye astronomers, and they, and this Hipparchus, he was actually sort of the father of trigonometry, so it all kind of would have fit um, into what was going into this mechanism. Okay. So it's very interesting, and it's it's like one of those mysteries, like lost knowledge. Where did it go? And and some scientists have said it it it. For its predictive nature, it actually relied on Babylonian mathematics instead of Greek math and trigonometry. And I'm thinking, wow, there's a lot of, <laughs> there's a, but then you, are they just theories at this point? Yes. Yeah. But it's intriguing. Well, I mean, the follow up is you'd mentioned some people tried making models of what it could be, right? Yes. So 
have people been successful in trying to replicate yes. this sort of device? If you actually Google this, you'll see the replicas. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because when you turn a gear on the front, it does something on the back, too, that predicts something. Okay. And it also was there was also speculation that it also predicted the four-year cycle of the Olympics. Mm-hmm. It seemed to have that in there, too. I, I, I think a lot of this is just extrapolation because I'm looking at this thing going, I'm not seeing it. I mean, unless you're – clearly there are inscriptions on there that with the sign of the Zodiac that would tell you it had something to do with astronomy. Mm-hmm. So that would that's why Hipparchus was thrown in there because of roads and all my speculation about sailing. <laughs> so – um, but it's it's just such an intriguing thing because it wasn't until the 14th century that something similar was built. Really? Now, in the in the Byzantine and the Islamic world, in the medieval world, both of those the Byzantines and the, and Islam and, and Muslims had built these contraptions like this, but they were simpler. So that was telling people that well, maybe there was a Greek tradition of mechanical engineering that was complex that was complex that was passed on but it just wasn't brought to fruition and it was rediscovered i think we talk about we've talked about that before too mm-hmm. and so when i tied this in with the the automatons they certainly probably had the engineering knowledge to build something now one theory i don't know if this is true is that it never worked someone just built it out of their own curiosity, but it was just sort of this thing they built, and because there's got like 37 gears in it. Yeah, that's a lot to manage. Yes. Um, which, if it was something I was built and never worked, that might make it more likely of why it wouldn't have proliferated right. um, and been used and then found other. And I think parts. you could even argue that even if it didn't work, you could still have built replicas of it. Yeah. And because Archimedes, he, it always comes back to him with a lot of things. And we've talked about him a couple of times here. So Archimedes had left behind a lot of drawings. So people have tried to build stuff from those drawings. But it hasn't worked. They seem like they would work because all Archimedes drew all his gears as square pegs. But when you angle them like the, like the gears in the Antikythera mechanism... Those things work. Mm-hmm. So if you angle the gears, those things Archimedes was drawing, they actually work. You can build them now. Okay. So I thought that was sort of tan- in- interesting, too, that in his drawings he used square. But if he was sort of the brainchild of this, wouldn't he have drawn the gears angled? I don't know. I, 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 I'm, when it comes to all this, I'm probably starting to sail into – speaking of sailing into deep waters, I'm probably doing that. So. I mean, it's we, – we've kind of talked a little bit about if someone was trying to hide knowledge as well. Like yes. they were trying to make it so only they would understand the their diagrams. Right. Um, I mean, a trick of engineering would be, you know, actually draw the gears incorrectly on purpose, so, yeah. but like know because you know your craft that you actually have to do it this way to make it work. Right. Um, I mean, that's entirely possible. And I thought the same thing, even though I – and I thought that that was a possibility as well, because when we talked about the alchemist, they did everything in their power to keep what they knew hidden from people. They wrote in code. So how do we know that other ancient inventors weren't doing the same thing? Maybe not writing in code, but throwing people off the trail. Mm-hmm. Like, well, here's my drawing. Here it is. 
but it wasn't correct. Yeah, so it's just a way to trick people into believing something that they probably don't understand completely, and yes. they try to replicate it while they need them, the, the alchemist or the inventor, to actually make it properly. Right, and when we talked about the automatons, we also, I think I mentioned the Turk, that supposed automaton that toured Europe in the 16th or 17th century and played chess against people. Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out it was a hoax because there was a chess master that was inside the box playing. And so that some people have thought the th- machine might be like that, like it's just a hoax, it's just a thing. It never worked. And, and of course, people can't really figure out why you'd use it. There's, there's all kinds of speculation, of course, but who would have used this? Mm-hmm. You know, when we think of ancient cultures, a lot of things they do, when we talk about there's a Stonehenge and Nazca, the Nazca lines, are very astronomical. I always say, well, that's because they need it for the seasons, and they need to know certain cycles of the moon or the sun or the equinoxes mm-hmm. for their own thing, you know. And they were very in tune with the stars, a lot of these ancient cultures, because they had to. They had to. Yeah, I mean... When you're trying to know the seasons or you don't have a agreed-upon 365-day calendar or something, right. and you want to know, oh, what is there going to be a meteor shower in the sky or is there going to be an eclipse? Because, right. um, there, I mean, those are things that nowadays we can predict very easily, pretty easily. Right. Um, and you want to be able to predict those so you, people don't freak out that an eclipse is going on. Right. Because, um, I mean, pe- imagine you don't know anything about eclipses and suddenly the sun is covered. And you have no explanation for yeah. why it's happening. I mean, that's extremely scary. But also just, oh, yeah, it's actually winter. It's winter is coming. It's been right. about three, four months. We should expect to see this, these types of things, this tide, right. stuff like that. I mean, there's a, there are plenty of reasons why someone would do it. Yes, and, and that's the toughest thing sometimes when you study some of this ancient stuff because, you know, I'm coming in from it from knowing, well, there's my calendar and I know what time it is. You know, they didn't have watches. They weren't, you know, running around going, yeah, it's this time. Yeah. You know, they had to, they had to use other means to measure time and, and well, mostly time. I mean, and here, here's the here's something I kind of just thought about. Um, there, would it be possible that everyone's kind of wrong? Because <laughs> um, I mean, you have a gear; it's decorated with zodiac signs. It seems to fit together with other parts, right? But I mean, the possibility could it be decorative in and of itself? And that's been actually that's been thrown out there mm-hmm. that someone was just curious and built a thing, but it never really worked. They just said, "Hey, look." And, um, it, but it keeps getting mentioned in some of the ancient sources, not, not this thing in particular, uh, but, but it does tell me because of the complexity, there had to be other ones. Yeah. And, and even if there, even if there were, it could still be that it could just be, I mean, someone thought enough of it to take it back to Rome hmm. for, uh, with all the rest of now, it could have just been included with all the rest of the loot, mm-hmm. you know, just throw it in, you know, chuck it in there. Yeah, I don't imagine that they have someone cataloging <laughs> exactly. every, every piece of gold that they found right. um, or looted. And all the bronze statuary and all the pottery. And, but, and especially with the crew, because this was more of a military group. Like, a, this was kind of an army that got it and looted it, right? That's the that's sort of the theory. Okay. Because it was on a Roman ship, which would be very odd. Yes, the Romans were that far, and they had... So that's why they think... Either when, when when Sulla uh, defeated Athens, 
that he looted it and sent it some of it back. Or even if you were sending it back for a Julius Caesar triumph, it still had to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the Romans were already in Greece at the time. So. Well, the thought is, would Romans bring a philosopher with them onto their ship that's going to go looting a city? They would bring it back so someone else could look at it. Right. Um, that would be my thought, mm-hmm. would be, oh, we need to bring everything back so we have the people who can look at it and determine value of a foreign right. object, you know, and what was, it does. Right, and there was even... Um, there was even someone from Alexandria that wrote about the... Alexandria keeps popping up when we talk about these Yeah, things. there's a lot of these cities of different knowledge centers and people that seem to all talk about ancient technologies, but you can never, like, find the things they're talking about. So what, what did they say? Well, he, he kind of said the same thing, that, that he, he mentions that these manuscripts that Archimedes had written up that are now lost to us. And, and even to make it even funnier, Jacques Cousteau, when he found these coins, they were from the city of Pergamon, which the library of Pergamon was like the second largest library in the ancient world besides Alexandria. So once again, a center of knowledge. But Pergamon throws the whole thing off. Mm-hmm. Now, they could have just had Pergamon coins because maybe it was in trade. It, it didn't have to be. It was from there. Now, I guess, my like I've said before, my theory is that this was not a prototype this probably was something that maybe was they had knowledge of something that was built that was similar before it's such a mystery though and it's such a complex machine that even if it wasn't used for anything i it's it's very of course the other theories which i know we've touched on before is that aliens brought this (laughs) Now it's always my favorite. My whole thing is, well, if aliens brought it, why they only do the five planets that the Greeks knew? True, wouldn't they know the whole solar system, and wouldn't it be more complicated? Yeah, or or it came from a lost civilization like Atlantis, which that's gaining some traction now. Um, not not so much in this instance, but that not so much Atlantis either. That there was some lost civilization that brought knowledge to all these different cultures in the ancient world like egypt but they all date differently that's the only problem with that theory yeah because i mean i I mentioned how different cultures in different areas will sometimes have the same ideas at the same time the idea that there was more central lost organization uh place that either split up or was completely hidden by some disaster but some people went different locations i mean that would certainly make sense and the first the first civilizations we know of like sumer and Mm -hmm. uruk and these places in iraq and iran Mm -hmm. they were very much uh they very much knew astronomy as well yeah so it's hard for me unless this knowledge was passed to them and of course egyptian civilizations are like 3000 bc Mm -hmm. where you start getting pharaohs and city city states and all this so to me if that knowledge was passed on then it must have gone up a chain because if a civilization is lost, they're not going to be hanging around a thousand years later to tell the Greeks how to do something. No, they. I mean, something they wrote or a um, or an oral history, maybe that might survive. Right. Um, you know, there's a they're saying that legends never die. That, like the Great Flood. I mean, there's flood stories in all kinds of different cultures. Yeah, and it, it's a very global thing that we could then surmise something happened. Like, yes. There's uh, logically, if enough people are saying something 
happened and they have no communication with each other, something that global and disastrous probably did happen. Right. Um, or the pyramid shape. We've seen pyramids in Egypt. We see pyramids in Central America, but they're not chronologically. They're not at the same time. Yeah. So, or Stonehenge even the hinges moved around Europe and then ended up in England. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, if we're really, really going ancient, ancient, I mean, the continents were a lot closer to <laughs> right. each other than they are now. Um, right. We could to, really go very right. Deep when with you these. start thinking about this stuff, it kind of blows your mind because it's like. How did they? I mean, the Egyptians too. They were they were very good at astronomy and math. And so, I don't think it's. I know sometimes when we don't have an answer, we look for maybe sometimes the most outlandish thing because yeah. it had to be an advanced civilization. Maybe maybe one that lived here on Earth though. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe one that didn't fly in. Yeah, and so out, outlandish is definitely. You know, some of the things we talk about is just out. <laughs> and I don't want to make an alien reference to be, they're out of this world. But what isn't so outlandish is what we're going to be talking about next time. <laughs> so where, where are we going to cruise to next time? Well, this whole notion of lost civilizations mm-hmm. sort of got, got me going. And I thought, maybe we should have a conversation about Atlantis. Oh, of course, that's why you mentioned Atlantis. I am looking forward to that for next time. Oh, hey, Scott, did you know that listeners can actually contact us now? They can. How can they do that? Yeah, they can just email us at um, historycruise at mykpl.info. Great. Also, like and subscribe on any of the platforms you find this podcast.